What's up, everyone, and welcome back to The Perspective. I'm your host, Ethan Michael, and alongside me is none other than my favorites, Kenneth Leonard. Aw, you're one of my favorites, too. Aw. And this is the show where we tackle supernatural claims, conspiracy theories, belief in aliens, pretty much anything under the sun. If you have a belief, we want to hear it, and we want to talk to you about it. We focus heavily on friendly discourse and positive skepticism. Uh, with that being said, Kenneth, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I, uh, yeah, feeling very energetic. I'm, I'm pumped up. Me too. It's been a good day. Well, <laughs> sorry, I actually had a little bit of stress last night. Uh, we'll get to our caller in just one moment. But I freaked out because I started getting uh, uh, like to a toothbrush and toothpaste for my cat so I could brush his teeth. And I gave him just like a little bit on his mouth. And next thing I know, his mouth is like foaming. He's like running all over the place. And I'm like, I was terrified. I thought like something was going to happen to him. So I had like a major anxiety attack. I'm just sitting like Band-Aid. No, please be okay. Please be okay. I'm trying to like get to him and get like rinse his mouth off. But I think it was just a little too much toothpaste and that caused it to foam. But I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I've done that, you know. Yeah. In the mirror, am I rabid or did I use too much toothpaste? That's funny. I, you know, I had a I had a, a thing happen with my pet last night too. I don't have cats; I have a dog. And uh, this is a gross story, but I'm going to tell it. So uh, I'm, I'm roughhousing with my dog, and uh, he's he's uh, like an Australian Shepherd chocolate lab mix, and he's got like a big fluffy furry butt. And uh, so I'll chase him around like, I'm going to get your butt. And he'll be like, no, you're not. So I, uh, I go to, to grab him and pick him up and, uh, which he hates, but he makes these faces, these like, why is this happening to me faces that I think are funny. So I'll pick him up and like snuggle with him. And so I go to reach for him. I go to reach for him and he kind of like scoots back and I get like a palm full of butt in a way that I would not normally grab him. And okay. I feel this like wet, warm, like in the middle of my palm. And I go, ah. And I pull back and I look and it looks like someone has has like melted a Hershey's kiss in the middle of my palm because I think he got scared and like like sharded a little bit in my hand. And so I'm like, I know, I know. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I, you know, I went and like washed my hands for the next four and a half hours. And I Uh, think I'm okay now. That's a pretty gross story. But, you know, he's still a good boy and we bonded over it. Uh, All right. Are you ready to get to uh, our first caller? I think that'll be a step up from what just happened on your show. Great. Well, uh, right now we're going to be talking about mediums. So I'd like to welcome medium Patty Horton. Patty, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thank you for having me on. No, thank you for taking the time to call us today. Um, So could you tell us uh, a little bit about your ability? Um, where do you want me to start? <laughs> I don't know, um, I have, I've been in touch with the spirit world since I've been eight years old when my grandmother materialized in my bedroom and as a child. And that's when, um, my mediumship and my ability to hear things and know things, um, to be true, um, began to present themselves to me. 
so I lived my life as a normal child. And when I was 18, I felt this hole inside of me. And it's when I began to dive deep into understanding um, the special part of myself and where I began developing my mediumship more fully. So that's, I've been working with my gifts for, geez, probably close to 40 years now. That was a really good summary. Thank you for doing that very quickly. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the first time you're like, when you say your grandma materialized, what did you like witness and experience? Um, I shared a room with my sister, Tina, and um, we lived in a uh, split level um, house. So me and my sister shared a room and my two brothers shared a room. So um, in the bedroom, I was, I slept closer to the closet. My sister slept closer to the window and I was woken up by a strange buzz in the room. And when I opened my eyes, I could see that the whole room was lit up with this beautiful indigo colored light. And when I looked around the room, every tangible thing that you could touch was illuminated in the light. I could see my sister sleeping. I could see the window. I could see her perfume on the dresser. And my eyes brought me to the end of my bed where I saw what looked to be like a Dracula coffin. So it wasn't like a coffin that you would see um, in a funeral home today. It was um, wooden and um, all of the edges were illuminated in a bright white light. And the next thing I know, the lid of the coffin opens and I saw a woman in the coffin and I recognized her to be my mother's mom. And she passed away when I was two and a half years old. Um, the next thing I know, she sat up in her coffin and then I sat up straighter in my bed and she stretched her arms out towards me and seven white crosses flew into my heart at the speed of light. And my grandmother was a Catholic woman. So um, she was very um, connected to God, very connected to all of things of the church. I screamed and thought I was going to, you know, burn in hell and she was going to take me away. And I ran into my mom's room and I told her what had happened. And she told me it was just a dream. And she told me to go back to bed. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I'm going back in that room. And that's when everything changed for me. It was in that moment when my life, um, my life's purpose presented itself to me as a young child. So let me ask you this, just so I can understand this ability more. Could you, like if right now I said, can you communicate with my brother? Are, are you able to do that? Or how did, how, like, um, when how you take it? It's really, when you say, can you communicate with my brother? I'll get anxious. I can communicate with um, those who have crossed over. I can communicate with um, your spirit guides and teachers. I can communicate information for you on a soul level. I can tell you things about your past, your present, and your future. So um, what I do is I see, I hear, I feel, and I know things about your life. And I come into your vibration with love. And I see where you're at spiritually during the time of any reading. But when I say, when you say, can you communicate with my brother? I, um, the first impression that he gives me is, um, I have this, um, almost like, I feel like I have this anxiety, like my heart is beating really fast. Like I know something's going to happen. So, um, his energy is, um, if he wanted to give me his energy as a living person, his energy, I feel like my energy is, um, supercharged. So um, he always makes me feel like he knew something was going to happen. So 
that's the information that he gives me. And I want to swallow, you know, like when you have, a, when you're feeling afraid or you're feeling fear and I want, and I want to swallow. So he's giving me all of these things. Like there's something that had scared him, something that was going on. And so he's presenting these moments of anxiety with me right now. So when I do, when you do want to say, can I communicate with my brother? But I do also sure. want to tell you when he, when you say, can you communicate with my brother? He also wants to tell you that I love you. I love you. I love you. So he's saying, I love you. And I don't know if he said, I love you during life, if it was one of his things, but it's something important that he wants to say to you now. I love you. I love you. I love you. And, and it's funny because so let he me, says, um, he Patty, says, let me he, ask you this. He, 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 okay. Hold on. Oh, when spirit world speaks, they speak very rapidly through me. So um, I'm just giving you some impressions that he's, that okay. he's giving to me, but go ahead. Um, so here, here would be my first question. How could we go about determining like which mediums are legitimately communicating with the dead and, and which ones are, are just, for instance, kind of saying what's on their mind or possibly deceiving people for money? Can I, do you mind, well, even, do you mind if I try to take us in a slightly different direction? Oh, sure. Do please. you mind? Um, so <laughs> Patty there, so, okay. So, um, my, I don't have, I don't have quite the, the following that, that Ethan does. So I just want to tell you sort of what my, what my deal is. Cause we've, we've never met. Um, so my, I have a channel that's all about skepticism and, uh, as a sort of foundational level, um, there's this, uh, this paper that I love that this philosopher named Harry Frankfurt wrote called on bullshit. And in it, he talks about bullshit being claims that are meant to persuade without regard for the truth. Um, so my my entire presence online is about trying to promote skepticism and uh, raise awareness of bullshit, both that we all produce ourselves and that is produced in our in our directions. Um, and I, I, I'm not in any way implying at this point that anyone here is is spreading uh, such a, a substance, but. Um, I wanted to ask you two things out of the gate in hopes of, of trying to have as productive a conversation as possible. The first would be um, on like a, a scale of one to 10, how much do you care if the the things that you believe and the things that you say are true? How much do I, first off, I want to go back to your, what you had said um, previously. Yeah. My job as a medium is not to convince you of anything. I'm not here to tell you that I'm right and that you have to listen to everything that I say to you because it's not how I work. Um, there's ethics, there's principles, um, there's discipline that I've worked with over the years so that I can present to you the authentic form of the spirit world presenting itself through me. So I in no way, shape or form try to convince anybody that I'm right or that I'm wrong. If okay. anybody is supposed to sit with me, I always ask the spirit world to bring them to me. I never seek out people. I don't stop people in a grocery store and give them information. I don't hand my business cards out on the corner, on the street corner or at the supermarket to generate business. I know that whoever I'm supposed to read for will find their way to me. So everything that I do is always done through what I call the hand of God. So this is the way that I've always lived my life. And I always allow God to guide me to those who will benefit from what I have to share with them. Now, the way that the spirit world works is, is when you get a reading in that moment, it doesn't mean that instantaneously something's going to come true. But, um, and I care 10%, a number 10 on everything that I do. Do you want me to get back to your question? Sure. I care wholeheartedly about the information that I share with people because having this gift and being able to do these things 
you're making an impression on somebody's life. You're um, leaving them with information that they can either take and utilize for their greatest good or highest joy, or they can leave it at the doorstep. Um, so anything that I do, I come from a place of love and a place of healing. And so I've never done anything um, that would that I would want to consider that would be harmful to somebody else. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to give the impression that I'm questioning well, your sincerity or that you're coming from a good place at all. Um, but so if I if I heard you correctly, it sounds like on a one to 10 scale of whether you care about whether the things that you say and believe are true, you, you it sounded to me like you said you were at a 10. I, I, I care about the things I say and, and, and that I believe are true, because if I didn't believe it was true, I wouldn't do it. OK, so then my anybody that's anybody that's doing anything that's from the spiritual perspective should completely care about what they do, because we're leaving an impression upon the people that we sit with and that we work with and that we read for. Right. I would argue that we should all care at a 10 about whether or not our, our beliefs are true. So my follow up question to you is, like, to what extent do you think our personal experiences um, are useful for determining what is true? Elaborate on that a minute. Go a little bit deeper. Um, what is it? What exactly are you ask? Ask, ask that question again, but give me a little yeah. bit. More. I'm asking if, 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 if to, like, how much do you think it's useful to rely on our personal experiences to have a sense of what is true or what is what is consistent with reality? You know what? Our personal experiences shape who we are as human beings, right? And so what do we all do? We all become teachers for other people. So um, say something happens in your life and you learn a great deal from it. Odds are somebody's going to show up in your life that's going to have need of what you've learned. So what do you do? You share that personal experience with them to help them move through the lesson that they might be facing. So everybody walks through a doorway of experiences. And that's how we teach one another. We learn from mm -hmm. one another by sharing our experiences experiences with people because we help people um, either overcome, um, be able to move forward, or even just, you know, not even care enough to move forward in that moment. But our experiences shape who we are as human beings. And every time we learn from something, we grow. And so that becomes a point of um, knowledge that lies within us that we can um, leave the impression upon another person of this is how I overcame this because there's always going to be somebody that's going to be standing in the shoes that you once wore. That's okay. what I believe. I think uh, maybe, maybe an example would be helpful. So my background um, like educationally and professionally is in, uh, is in the law. And uh, one of the, one thing that's very interesting to me is that uh, is, is work that's, that's done by like the innocence project or uh, various charities that work to exonerate people who've been wrongfully convicted. Um, and the number one thing, the number one source of testimony that leads to overturned convictions is eyewitness testimony um, by, a, by a pretty significant margin. Um, so you have dozens of people sitting on death row. You've got countless people who have been imprisoned or even executed in the United States because of the strength of eyewitness testimony of people who were sure that they saw this individual committing a crime, um, but that the eyewitness testimony was wrong. And then along comes things like DNA evidence, which is much more reliable and can be used to demonstrate that eyewitness testimony is as unreliable as it is. Um, I, I point to this to say that, that personal experience, um, as useful as it can be, uh, is often uh, 
fallible, as fallible as as our senses, you know. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, if how do we determine the difference between someone who sees a vision um, as the result of just you know their brain chemistry being a little bit off or being on, under the influence of, of psychedelics or something, um, and a person who has contact with uh, a, a spirit. Well, and to kind of expand on what uh, Kenneth said real quick, there, there was a time where I thought I had a, a psychic ability. Um, but a, as I learned more, I realized I was just exceptionally good at reading people and picking up on their, 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 their uh, mannerisms, their facial expressions, their social cues, um, all of that. So sorry, I kind of trailed off there. Uh, go ahead. Energy doesn't lie. So when you say, I thought I had a psychic gift, um, when you think or feel that you had something, if you don't sit with it and develop it and work with it, then you never know where it's going to lead you to. And one right. of my things said, that I like to talk about is that? energy doesn't lie. First as far one, as the other thing yeah, about psychotropic drugs and Patty. things that people are using, hey, you, have to be, you have to discern. Hey, um, Patty? Um, the information Patty. that you're getting and discern me, Patty? Um, the people that Patty. you are. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I need you to uh, go back to what you said in the beginning. You said energy doesn't lie. Yeah. Energy doesn't lie. Energy doesn't lie. Um, I, I, you can walk into a room and you can feel something. Um, that's the way that the spirit world and those in the spirit communicate and utilize um, the medium and they utilize them through the gift of energy. So they change the vibration and the structure of my energy and they leave me impressions of energy so that I can communicate to you what they're trying to, um, the messages that they're trying to deliver to you. So um, that's, that's the way that mediums work. We work on an energetic level. And so energetically, our vibration matches those in the spirit world. And that's where the two worlds collide. And, and we begin to blend our energy together. And the medium is able to draw information from, let's say, a deceased loved one in the spirit world, and they bring them forward into the physical world. So um, all mediums work differently. Um, I guess, how do you when, know that you're communicating with this, this other spirit world? Yeah. And, and like, how do you know that, that different okay. mediums are, 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 you know, work differently? I, I, there's a lot of claims being thrown out on the table. And where I was, where I was kind of hoping to lead us was to the question of, uh, you know, when is it time to believe a claim? Um, lots of people claim lots of things, but, but when is it time to believe it? Wait, hold on for a second. You're very lawyerly, as you told me. And so you, you keep on asking me all these lawyerly qu questions as a lawyer would ask me. So you're not really talking to me as like a human being would talk to me. So all of your questions are really long winded and not trying to be offensive or anything. Right. And they're really long winded and, and they, and they have all of these components to it. So when you're communicating with me, you're communi I almost feel like, um, I'm on the, on the, witness stand and and you're interrogating me to try to break me down to say i'm going to prove that you're that you're not real i'm not here to prove to you whether i'm real or not patty i'm not just, here we're to just having so about yeah myself. i understand Hold on. So, i'm just here to share wait 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 let me finish i, I, I know patty but you're, you're throwing a lot out and i think we're having who a I am and how i work and that's why i was you know invited here um, and I'm trying to answer your questions, but every time I try to get to your questions, you want to, you know, you, you don't let me finish. Well, Patty, and that's, so that's kind of, we are trying to let, let you finish, but you got to understand when, if you, if you throw out one thing and say, Hey, I do this, you know, we'll let you finish, but you're, you're bouncing around to so many different things 
that we don't know what to address first. I mean, I wouldn't say bouncing around. I mean, it's just that there's a lot of there's a lot of claims being put on the table. So before we can before we can have like an effective conversation, I mean, we have to sort of have a, a, a base level of understanding. So the reason why I asked you like out of the gate why you know if you care about truth so the questions have actually been really really simple the first is just how much do you care about whether or not the things that you i understand i understand you're talking over or i know there's a delay and, and we're trying not to talk over each other so the questions that i asked you were just you know to what extent do you care about whether or not the things you say and believe are true if personal experience is valuable for knowing the truth and then the last thing i was going to ask was just you know when is it time to believe a claim because you're making a lot of claims um well, uh, hopefully those aren't, aren't you know, yeah. super uh, no, aggressive questions. I think they're important. Hold on for a second. Let me finish. You you know what? I, like I said before, I'm not here to make you believe anything. Okay, I'm Patty, just here to stop. share information I know that. and We're to just open your eyes to a different perspective of how different people work. Um, you're a lawyer. Your mind works in a black and white world. Um, it doesn't. It I doesn't. Work, That's a claim, too. You just made a claim about me. That's not true. I work in the group. I work in the gray matter. And so if we just work in a black and white world and we don't explore the gray matter, then we don't explore the biggest part of ourselves and we don't open ourselves up that's to the another claim. why you, we're born and what we're here to thing. do. You, so so I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm not a lawyer. I, I, I did go to law school, but I'm not a lawyer. And the, uh, the thing is that I'm just interested in what's true. I, I wanna believe true things and I don't wanna believe false things. And as a skeptic, my, my goal is not to debunk anybody. That's not what skepticism is. Skepticism is just asking questions and withholding one's beliefs until you've got evidence to support the claims that people make. So if someone- Did you, you were a lawyer? Didn't you say that you were a lawyer earlier? I said my background was in law. My educational background was in law. Okay, so you said, you, you said my educational background was in law. Mm -hmm. And now, and so you have to see, you're telling me one thing and now you're telling me something else. I'm just trying to explain to you, if you ever, if you allow me to explain, um, this is the way that we work. We work energetically. We pull information. And you know what? If you're a skeptic and you're never going to believe, there's nothing that I'll ever be able well, to to you, even if it's the truth, because you will never admit to it. That's not, that's not what skepticism is. So that's, again, that's, again, you're throwing a lot of claims on the table. You're okay. making a lot of claims about me. So skepticism is not the denial of evidence. So if someone is, if someone puts, if someone puts things on the table and there's evidence to support their claims, I believe it. That's, that's, it's as simple as that. There's nothing that I do or don't want to believe. I just want to believe truth. You got it. Okay, Patty, you keep different. cutting him off. You're, You're not even letting him get out of sex. It's completely different. And that's right. the way that Patty. it goes. Patty. And so what I said, let, her, let her go. Let her, let her go. Let her go. It's like, I'm not here. To, you know, if you want to, if, if this is going to turn into that, all you want to do is argue with me. We can end the phone call right now because that's not why I came on here. I just, here to talk about all I'm doing is asking questions, Patty. All I'm doing is asking questions. I'm just asking questions. When Ethan was talking to me, hold on. Ethan wanted to ask a couple questions of me. You've taken over and haven't even allowed him to speak to me. So, so um, I might be a medium, but I'm also a human being. And so I'm also going to, um, I'm also going to um, stand up for myself. I'm, I know, encourage you I to do that. Do anything. Patty, no one's telling but you not you to stand up Ethan, for yourself. This is the thing. Just because Ethan had a question for me that you might not have understood didn't validate you running over him and not allowing him to he, ask his due. He's 
All right, Patty, let's let's dial this back for a second. Um, Kenneth is just asking questions. Now, let me, I am a retired DJ. I have no college or formal education. So for once, for a second, I'd like to talk about what a claim is. So if I say to you, I talk to God, that's a claim. If I say to you, I talk to spirits, that's a claim. So what we're trying to understand is how to believe your claim. Or at what point do we accept your claim as truth? You know what? This is the thing. If it's not your truth, it will never resonate with you. So if my truth is not of your truth, it's never going to resonate with you. And if your whole thing is to say, you're claiming to do one thing, um, be a dog and pony show and prove it to me, that's not how I work. So, so that's not the, but, but that's not the way that it works. That's not the way that the gift works. And you know what? If, if you told me that you talked to God and you had an experience, I wouldn't tell you that it wasn't true. I wouldn't tell you that you weren't telling me the truth because you're telling me from your authentic self that you had a conversation with God. Right. Who am I to tell you that it's not well, true, or it's not real? We haven't I, told you that any of the things that you've said aren't true. I haven't done that. Yeah. We, Pardon me? I haven't yeah, told you that anything that I haven't told you that anything that you've said isn't true. I've just been asking questions. So to go back to the courtroom analogy really fast, if somebody if somebody is an eyewitness and they say that somebody committed a crime and they're speaking from a place of authenticity, they sincerely believe that they saw, you know, you can kill that guy. Then you keep you keep talking over me. You keep talking over me. You keep talking over me. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna make my point if it if it kills me. So the if if somebody is an eyewitness and they say, I'm sure that I saw this guy kill that guy and they're being completely sincere, they're convinced that they saw what they think that they saw, but they're wrong. And the DNA evidence shows it. Say there's like camera footage that shows it. And they're speaking from a place where they think they're telling the, the truth. How do we distinguish between, you know, various claims to figure out what the actual truth is. I understand that you, you said people have their truth, but people don't have truths. People have perspectives. That's, you know what? You might look at it as a perspective, but people have their own truth. Who are you to tell somebody that they can't believe their truth? That's, that's, that's just as much as saying, I'm going to tell you that I think that you're full of shit. Um, you're not a lawyer. You're not this. You're not that. I'm not here to tell you that about yourself. And well, if this I, is just to sit here and say, I'm going to debunk you, then you picked the wrong person to Patty, that fight with. If nobody, I, nobody said anything about debunking. Please, so the, the, the question of whether or not, I'm not saying that the eyewitness can't believe that they saw what they saw. The question is whether or not the guy should be convicted of the murder. The question is what actually happened. How do we figure out what's true? With spirituality. This, has no, this has nothing to do with what I'm here for. You're trying to make a black and white statement towards something that's spiritual and fluid. No, and I'm not. You can't compare the two. That, I'm, not, that's, I'm not doing that. You, you, keep, you keep misrepresenting me. And okay, I, I understand that you're defensive, no, but no, you, you, I, I, like, no, I'm asking very specific questions for a reason. Okay, Patty, I, 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 I do not that like muting people. That you but think that Patty, mediums are, Patty, are, Patty, are out to Patty, take money. For, hold Patty. on, let me finish. No, no, no I keep letting you no finish. Way. Okay, look. I want to engage with people who want to have a conversation. 
but you keep talking over us. We have both asked clarifying questions. Then you're dodging, you're moving around. We're just trying to address all the claims you're throwing out. You're firing off so many at once. We can't get to all of them. We need to address them one at a time, Patty. And when he tries to finish making a point, you cut him off, accuse him of doing that to you and to me. And that's not true. He's not attacking you. Neither am I. We are asking you questions. Is she muted? No. No, I'm not muted. Okay. You guys, you guys, you've asked me the same question over and over. You told me you're a lawyer. Then you told me you're not a lawyer. Then you come back to lawyer. Why don't you ask me a regular question? A question yeah. that, um, that universally people could understand instead of trying to use um, a murder, for instance. Okay. No I've got a really easy one. I've got a really easy question. Faith is, hold on. No, here's an easy one. Do you know what faith is? Faith yeah. is faith is no the reason people give for believing stuff when they don't have evidence. Hold on. That's what faith is. You are cutting me off. Well, faith you asked me a question, so I answered it. In your house without having to see it, without having to know it. I know that you guys don't believe in God, and that's okay. I do believe in God. What? That there is that your truth is different than my truth. Mm. I reject the idea that either of us have a truth. We have perspectives, but the truth is something that exists independently of our minds. The truth is what's what's real, whether or not any of us believe it or not. Well, I believe, I believe, and I know in my heart, and I know that this is true. I've sat with thousands and thousands of people who have left me hundreds of testimonials, who have left me hundreds of messages, and have, and have confirmed um, communication with those in the spirit world and information about their lives and things that came true for them from predictions that, that have been presented during a reading. So for myself, I know what I do is true. So I don't have to defend myself to anybody. And like I said in the beginning, I'm not here to convince you of anything. Well, yeah, and and, and to convince us again, we're, we're just having a, a, a conversation and you say, you know, it to be true. How do you know it's true? Yes, I do. How do you know? Because I know it to be true because I can because I can feel it. You know okay. how something is true? When you can feel it and you know it in your gut that it's true. How do you navigate life? When you're going to go and do something, you do it because you navigate it from a guttural, guttural instinct. Th and so you follow that guttural instinct. That's and then not true at all. Sorry. act upon it I, and, and it becomes truth for you. I evaluate the evidence. Um, I, I don't go off. But you're not I, a lawyer. You don't have to be a lawyer to be a skeptic. To evaluate evidence. Um, I, I can, I can, if someone gives me the information, I can look it over and decide what's, what's best. So, I mean, there would be a, a here, a real what's easy way. Let's, uh, can right? you perhaps tell me something my brother would say to me? You know what? I appreciate you having me on the show and I've tried to communicate, but you cut you. I was cut off earlier when I wanted to communicate. And I appreciate you having me. And I understand that you guys don't um, believe in mediums and you don't believe in the, 
in the afterworld and you don't believe in the ability to communicate and you don't believe that God's divine hand runs through people as they become the light and helps to ignite the light within you. So I'm going to politely, um, if you want to have a reading with me, then you can contact me privately, but I'm not going to allow you guys to try All right, to, um, I hope you have a good day. Railroad. Thanks, Patty. I, I, I disconnected. We're not here to railroad. We're not here to play games and we're not here to get gaslight. I care about what's true. That's why I do this show. I didn't start this to dog on people, rag on people, or insult people. I care about truth. That's why I do this show. Now, I'm sorry that your takeaway was that we were attacking you, but I would implore you to go back and re-listen to this conversation. No one attacked or insulted you. The entire thing was us asking you questions. So, <sighs> that, that that I mean, that, that was like, a textbook example of what happened like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times with the James Randi Foundation when they would invite psychics around. Uh, there, there would always be these claims of, you know, I can communicate with the spirit world. I can talk to whoever. And, you know, I can, I can use a dowsing rod to find water or I can see auras or whatever. And then as soon as it comes time to, to actually test the claim, it's just like peace and they're gone. It happens every time. Um, and... I mean, like, I appreciate you trying to give the lady the benefit of the doubt and asking the questions about your brother and stuff. I just, uh, I think it's super important with people to establish these baseline questions. Do you care about what's true? How do we know what's true? Okay, now what's your claim? When is it time to believe a claim? All right, now let's explore it. Let's 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 run away with it. Um, but when people come out of the gate and it's just like, you know, I can, you know, I saw my grandma and the seven white crosses and all this stuff. Is like, I mean, cool. Uh, a lot of people see a lot of stuff. How do we how do we know what's real though? Right. No. And that's that's all we're trying to do. If you say, I know um, I'm communicating with the dead, how do you know? If you say you're communicating with God, how do you know? Asking you how you know something is not a personal attack. Asking you to prove your claim is not a personal attack. And no one here, not a single time, said you were full of shit or you were bullshitting in any capacity. And if you listen back, you'll see how many times you continued to try and cut us off. Uh, I, I shouldn't have said the law thing. I can't tell you how often this happens. I'll be having a conversation with somebody and I'll be like, you know, I actually have a back. They'll, they'll start making legal claims and I'll be like, you know, I actually have a little bit of a background in that. And then I'll talk to them and they're like, oh, you're, you, 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 now you sound like a lawyer, you know, asking me all these questions about how I know what I know. Well, <laughs> like, dude, I am literally a friggin' retired DJ, man. No college education. I'm not doing lawyer talk. I'm asking I mean, questions. And isn't, isn't it, being a DJ like being a Marine, like once a DJ, always a DJ? I, I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but I I I just I care about what's true and I want to get to the truth. And what most of these people don't understand is if God's out there, I want to know. If yeah. if you have psychic ability and can legitimately communicate with my brother, I want to know. I'm not, there's no, there'd be no purpose of doing this just to rag on people. That's not what I yeah. am a person is about. No. Am about no. Is about, am about. <laughs> yeah. A boot. A boot. Canadians. Um, do we have more callers? Uh, yeah, we do. She, I yeah. Would, uh, let's get to, uh, I'm supposed to get to Nathan, but why is it not clicking? Nathan, I'll come back to you in one moment. Um, Lynn, 
You are on with Ethan and Kenneth. How are you? Hello, can you hear me? Hey, could you turn the the uh, YouTube back off in your background because we can hear it? Uh, actually, I can use the headphones. Let me. Headphones are good because otherwise we get an echo, echo, echo. Here, get your uh, headphones on, and we'll we'll come back to you in a moment. Um, okay, Nathan. Poor Ethan's just. <laughs> uh, hello. Hey, Nathan. How's it going? It's going okay. Awesome. So you had, from my understanding, an alien experience. Is that correct? Well, I, I believe from my perspective that I've had many, but I was asked to keep it to a specific experience. Yeah, that'd be great if you and, could tell us about your alien experience. All right. For context, I uh, I'd been having experiences up to this. This this happened in end of 2008, beginning of 2009. Um, my experiences have been happening my whole life. They're not like a one and done type of an issue. But at this point in my life, I was in the middle of moving from uh, Tennessee to Ohio. And uh, I was staying in an apartment when I was in Tennessee with my wife. And uh, I went to bed one evening and she had fallen asleep already on the couch. So I just went to bed and laid down. And some point in the night, I was awoken by what I would describe, what I later came to be find would be described as like a hybrid female, which is like a cross between us and them. And uh, she had an oversized cranium. She had long blonde hair. She had large eyes, but they were human colored eyes, like blue eyes and uh, too small of a mouth and too small of a nose to be human. And the room was filled with kind of a neon pink light. The next thing I remember is being in a round room that was brightly lit and seemed very sequenced and shiny, almost like you were inside a, a brightly lit club in the 80s or something. Ooh, and there was exciting. like pink fog rolling, rolling across the floor. This seemed very strange, very almost dreamlike. And it would be a peaceful scene were it not for this hybrid female who is still standing to my right and staring at me. And I have kind of, I get this suggestion in my mind to follow her and I kind of uncontrollably follow her into another room. I've when had I that urge in clubs too. Room, huh? I said, I've had the urge to follow strange women through dance clubs as well. I'm, I'm just, I'm just joking around. Man. Yeah, I, you, I, you said I, it looked I, like I, a club. I do not want to follow this one. Because when I got into the next room, I was in what appeared to be, from my perspective, a large industrial scale butcher shop or like a industrial meat packing plant. There were meat hooks and uh, conveyor belts and uh, there were other entities in this room, what appeared to be other male hybrids and um, at least one tall mantis creature or mantis being, some people call them insectoids. Um, I uh, Basically, I was in this part of my life. I had 
made a lot of bad choices. Most of my life, these alien creatures have been telling me I'm, you know, either going to mess up hard or do well. And it's a good side trying to convince me to do well and a bad side trying to do me harm. May I ask you a question? Well, I've been in this situation. Yes, go ahead. Um, When you had this this experience, um, were you by chance on any, like, hallucinogens or under the influence of any kind? No, not at all. I have in the past done hallucinogens, but not at that point. Um, But... Do you believe, just uh, so I understand this correctly, do, do you think you were essentially visited by aliens or you think you were like teleported onto a ship or what specifically do you think uh, happened? I believe I was being shown the destruction of my eternal life body. What does that mean? I believe I had made certain mistakes in life and maybe had messed up hard and they were destroying that piece of us or me that exists in the next life in a physical form. And it was kind of like cutting me off from that. Now you think there's a, you think there's like a a life after this life? I do believe so. Yes. I, why? Believe me, I would never have wanted that to be the explanation. No, I, I, I hear that, but why? Why why do you believe there's another life after this one? Uh, out-of-body experiences. Uh, uh, genuinely, just because I've had these experiences and I've had elements of this afterlife shown to me. Well, I don't have you... physical proof. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of very, it's kind of, you know, I was not raised in a religious household. I was raised in a fairly agnostic household. I was not, you know, brought up in a religious belief. I would not, you know, and anybody that knows me, knows me would tell you, you know, the fact that he kind of, cause I'm not, I'm not somebody who technically buys into the ET explanation for UFOs and abductions. I mean, I'm open. I could argue three or four different, scenarios that could be true and would look look appear the same on the surface but would have very drastically different consequences at the end okay. so are you uh did you say you're a believer in, in god now i am yes can now how that defines itself i don't know like yeah. i can't you know I'm not, I don't have all the answers and do not claim to, I just know what's happened in my life. Hey, listen, I, I don't have all the answers and I don't claim to is probably the most intelligent thing that anybody's said so far on this show. Um, what I am wondering is at the risk of being redundant, repetitive, uh, I would ask the same question that I asked the, the last, uh, caller, um, like how, how useful do you think personal experiences are for knowing what's real or what's true? Well, I see your point that if I were making a claim that had never been made by somebody before, yes, it should definitely be taken into question. But if you can compare my claim to other claims that are similar and there's enough overlap of detail, is that not some kind of proof? Is that not how you do convict a murderer? I mean, I can, I can point you to cases 
of genuine or I can point you to cases that have been studied that are similar enough to my own that I feel comfortable that, you know, sometimes experience also opens one up to, uh, like people who are in war know what war is like, but people who aren't really don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people who have been abducted, they can go to that. People who have had real experiences can go to the information about those things and weed out what is and isn't, you know, BS and isn't. Hmm. Have you ever looked at uh, where people are trying to BS? I don't think you're trying to BS. I, I, you know, on this show, um, you know, Ethan does a really good job of making sure that well, you know, I have nothing are... to gain by BSing. It's not like abductees who claim they've been abducted make a hell of a lot of money unless you're Whitley Strieber and he's really <laughs> not money right now either. Um, so I, this is interesting. I, uh, I grew up in San Diego and you're reminding me of, of, of a thing that happened when I was a kid. Um, there was this comet, uh, it was called like the, ha the Haley or Hale, Hale Bop comet. And Hale there Bob. were, Hale Bop. Yeah. Right. And there was this group of people who uh, were in a, a really wealthy neighborhood and um, they all believed that they were part of a group, a religious group where the leader was telling them that there was like a, a, a some sort of vessel or ship coming behind the comet and that it was like, if you, it was obscured yeah, was by the comet. On coast to coast that year. Yeah. So uh, do you remember what happened with this group? It was called the Heaven's Gate group. I do. I was a kid then too. I was born in 84. Same. So yeah, for those who might not know, uh, this group of people, it was, it was a, a very large group of people. Um, they all uh, committed suicide. Uh, together because they were convinced by the leader of the group that that's what they had to do to catch the spaceship. And they all believed so sincerely in the message that this guy was telling them that they were willing to literally uh, die uh, because they were so convinced. They had had all these personal experiences with the leader of the group telling them things and they they believed that, that they were being told the truth. Um, I, I don't, I'm not convinced that they, uh, that they caught the spaceship. Um, even though yeah, they were, neither I. I mean, but there's a difference between willy nilly believing anything that you hear about the things, especially from a show that might be entertainment or from somebody that, uh, is trying to run a cult. I'm certainly not trying to run a cult. Oh yeah. No, don't. I'm well, just, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that people running cults necessarily are, are, are like sinister. I think sometimes they may they may sincerely believe things. Um, I, I just yeah. what, I, the, the, what no, I'm trying to point back to is just this this question insane. of like how do we evaluate claims because everybody's got personal experiences, um, but I, I, it seems to me that it, it, it's fairly obvious when we think about it that not everyone's experiences are consistent with what's real or what's true. So that's what I'm wondering. Is I mean, well, I mean, I think. I think we've entered a place where we do have to question what's real and what's true. I mean, we do have the Pentagon releasing information on UFOs. They're not touching abductions, but they're talking about unidentified things. I was just going to ask you what the U stood for in UFO, because it's the it's the most critical word in in the in the UFO. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, it's up to me. We'd still call them flying saucers or 
or you know, a UFO means you don't know what it is when you see it. Yes. The only things Thank I've you. ever seen, I've looked at immediately and known it wasn't normal or of our or not did not was not aerodynamic or did not fit physics as we understand it. And I've read enough physics in my adult life because of my experiences to wrap my head around how some of the things could work in a materialistic scientific world. But after a while, when you're having out of body experiences and things like that, and you have other types of supernatural occurrences in your life, mm. you're, you're faced with having to question, you know, is society right or are you right? And from my perspective, while I don't necessarily want myself to be correct, I'm stuck in the situation where if I make the wrong move, it would be, you know, it's much better to try to, you know, I, I feel better when I express these events to people Yeah, that, and I feel like I'm turning it into more of a positive because if I don't, it just stays in my life. You know, I'm, Nathan, I struggle I with trying to understand it myself. First off, Nathan, I do like you've clearly put a lot of thought into this. And I also want to thank you for actually this is the type of conversations like this is how I would like all calls to go. We go back and forth. We converse and we have friendly discourse. This conversations like this are the goal of the show. So so thank you so much for being friendly. Uh, Kenneth, you look like you're about to say something. Well, he said another thing that I that, that's really important. He said he he. he essentially, I don't want to miss, I don't want to warp your words, but it was something like, um, that you don't, um, your goal is not to, to be like correct. Um, and I, I think that you were, you were pointing towards something that I think is really important with regard to skepticism, that if you place the belief first and you're like, I want to prove that I'm right. Uh, it's a really good way to set yourself up for a lot of cognitive traps and to actually be wrong um when you the, the the better way to go about it seems to be to try to find the best evidence and then follow that evidence to your conclusion um and to not be sort of married to any particular outcome but to just seek what's true um and it sounds to me like you you want to do that um unless i'm totally out in left field over here which is possible very much so. I, I'm as much, I'm in need of knowing what the truth is because I think it would benefit me greatly if I'm wrong. But if I'm right, maybe what I know could benefit others greatly. Right. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do in my life right now is share some information to see how it resonates with other people and get have, what feedback I can. Have you ever read, uh, about how descriptions of aliens uh, and alien encounters have changed over time? Yes, yes. And I've seen a lot of various entities that aren't necessarily on the surface level, like mantis beings, Nordic types, uh, grays, and various types of grays that if any one person saw one of them, they would be, oh, that's a gray. But there's like three or four of those. Hmm. So, you know, it. It, like I said, it's been a lifetime of experience and a lifetime of trying to understand it, a lifetime of being in denial about it and thinking you're crazy and not wanting any of it. Well, there's a huge difference between being crazy and, and being just mistaken. Uh, 
Um, you know, you, you can you can have an experience and have had an experience and have seen things and, and experienced things and felt things um, that weren't necessarily you know, consistent with reality. And it can be a result of things like sleep deprivation or being on psychedelics or, I mean, there's a whole host of things that, that I mean, it doesn't make you, I hate the word crazy, first of all, just because it's so dismissive. It's just this like blanket word that gets tossed out so that you don't have to take any further steps to actually understand somebody. So oh, that guy's crazy. So like, if you call people crazy, uh, you know, go fuck yourself is what I'm trying to say. That's not friendly. That's not what this channel is about, but I said it. So yeah. Sorry, Ethan. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I'll say this. The experiences I have had have caused me genuine emotional issues. Mm. And the experiences I've had have caused me definite issues with, you know, my brain is, does. it's like, uh, it's like I've seen things beyond my own capacity. My brain is constantly trying to understand it. That makes sense. It's like there are, the human brain is capable of following five plot lines at a time. You start adding six or seven into the mix. Yeah, you're, you're really thrown off. Now I'm the kind of person who can read a long book that has a lot of character development and goes in different directions. But the things that have happened in my life, it's not any one experience that convinces me that it's so. It's the overarching uh consistency of those experiences over time that are giving me personal confirmation that they're true. And I, cause I can place them in context and time in my own life. Not to mention, I think I was, they wanted me to remember things. I want to address that. I, I don't usually look at the, the live chat, but there was a comment that was made that I do want to address because I want to sort of validate what you're saying, Nathan. Um, the comment was that uh, your experience didn't happen if you don't have proof. Uh, no proof didn't happen. Um, and I think this is a mistake. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I want to explain why. Um, so <laughs> there's this great movie, uh, A Beautiful Mind. It's about this mathematician, John Nash. And he he was a schizophrenic. Um, and in addition to being a, a Nobel laureate, right? And um, he had these experiences of, of seeing people and having uh, very vivid hallucinations. And his subjective experience was that there were these people that he could communicate with, that he had relationships with. To everybody else in the room, those, those figures that are, that are only existed in Nash's mind did not exist. So if we were to say John Nash saw people that weren't there, now we're in sketchy territory. But if we say that John Nash had the, the subjective experience of seeing these people and talking to these, these entities, even if they only existed in his mind, his experience was real, even if those people were not present in reality and nobody else could interact with them. That changes nothing about what Nash experienced. The question was whether Nash's experiences and his interpretation of those experiences, his judgments about those experiences, was actually consistent with what was happening in the real world, or if it was just happening in his head because he was a schizophrenic. It, it's a dangerous move to just yeah. say, you know, someone's experience didn't happen and to dismiss them in this way. I, uh, I, I definitely am familiar with the story. Um, oh. I guess to that, I would say, yeah, I don't have any proof other than my recall, which I guess is not proof to anybody really, but 
Well, I, I can say I've never been under hypnosis and that's not how they came to be. Okay. You know, I, I, and I can say, I can say that the confirmation I have is when something they've shown me plays out in real time, I, you know, and it's all personal, I, but it's all, it's incredibly undeniable from my perspective. I know we got to move on to other callers and I, I don't want to cut you off, Nathan. I, I, would, yeah, you're fine. I would encourage you just, especially because of what you said about how your experiences have had these emotion, this emotional impact on you um, to, you know, maybe just for your own benefit, uh, check out some, some of the resources and books that are out there. Some of the lectures that are out there about skepticism, about the idea of withholding belief until you have sufficient evidence to, to justify a claim. Um, the, the place that I started that, that really just like blew the doors off in, in, in my mind was reading Carl Sagan's book, The Demon Haunted World. Um, it, it, it was a great resource to me. I, I basically recommend it to everybody. I wish it was like mandatory reading for like sixth graders. I think it would be awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I hope we get a chance to talk again. Yeah, Nathan, I want to uh, thank you for yeah. taking the time to to call in, share your experience, and most importantly, staying friendly and and not thinking that questions are a personal attack. So thank you. Well, I just hope you do hear me out again if I call. Absolutely. Hell yeah, man. I, I hope you felt that we heard you out today. Or, or, I, I hope you felt that we 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 listened to everything you had to say. Well, I, I would just hope that uh, over time we develop a communication and maybe you can hear from me from time to time. Sure. And see what you think about what I have to say. Definitely. I would uh, love to talk to you again, Nathan. I'll, uh, I'll follow up you with you uh, uh, later today. And thanks for taking the time to call in. All right. Thank you. Ooh, I can actually feel myself being a little stressed. Like, do you see the redness right here? Yeah. <laughs> when I get anxious. Like, what are you worried about? No, it was that, that first caller got me riled up because I, 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 it feels like that first caller was just gaslighting. Uh, Patty's cool. cool. I, I think we got to maybe give Patty another chance. I, I, she, I think she she was re maybe reading this wrong and uh, got the wrong vibe. Um, because uh, I don't know. I look at that as a failed attempt. Uh, I do too. I don't want to yeah. call go like that, man. I want them to remain friendly. But you know, and one thing I always say to people before they call in is, "Are you okay with us asking questions?" Like I, I don't just say, "Hey, call the show so we can." I yeah. always let everyone know, and I send them a. I'll always send a link too. Be like, hey, here's a past episode of the show, so you know what you're getting into. So I, I, I don't mislead people in any capacity. I am well, very straightforward that we will be questioning your beliefs. I would imagine that Patty might be used to people who call themselves skeptics, uh, setting out to debunk her claims and uh, calling her a liar. Uh, there was, it was one point where I was trying to say something and she started talking and I mean, there was, it was rough trying to, you know, communicate, but I, I, I was hearing her say some things, um, that it sounded like she was saying that, that she may have thought that I was calling her a liar. Um, I hope she rewatches the, the tape and can see that, that, that was not uh, the case. Yeah, uh, definitely. I know, I, I know I didn't call her or, or anyone a liar. Uh, all right, let's get to our next caller again, a trigger warning to everyone watching. I, I don't have a call screener yet. Um, but I believe the name is Nimish. The topic conspiracy hello. theories from, Oh, hello. Hey, what was the, what was the name? Um, I just said anonymous. Oh, anonymous. Oh, anonymous. Okay. 
Awesome. What did you want to talk about? Okay. So, um, like, there's there's no um, current evidence for God, right? And stuff. There's no, there's no what? Sorry, can you say that one more time? Um, there's no current evidence for God, right? Well, I would say that some people do have evidence for God. Uh, it just depends on whether it, it stands up to, to mm. question. I would say there's testimonial evidence. Mm. Uh, there's different kinds. Um, I, I, I just haven't seen any yet to convince me that I, I, God exists. Uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I... so. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like the concept of evidence, um, because there's like these ideas like weak and strong evidence. Um, my position is, and I, I may be all alone in this, that for something to be evidence, it has to be useful for demonstrating that a claim is true. So, for example, if we were saying that, uh, you know, Ethan murdered a guy, I just a random name I picked out of a hat, Ethan. Um, so if, uh, you know, we had Ethan's car at the scene of the crime around the time that the murder happened, that's weak evidence. You know, he might've been there. He might not have been. If we've got his DNA on the murder weapon and him taking a selfie and recording a video saying I did it while dancing in his boxer shorts in his living room and uploading that to Facebook, that would be much stronger evidence that he's the murderer. Um, but if the claim is Ethan killed a guy and someone goes, how do you know? And I say, cause I had a tuna sandwich yesterday. That's not evidence that is completely unrelated to being useful to, to proving the claim is true. So I, I have never seen evidence for God. I've heard a lot of claims. I've heard, I've seen a lot of anecdotes put out there. I've seen a lot of really bad arguments. I've never seen anything that was useful for actually proving the claim. Um, okay. So I was thinking, um, uh, like if God were to exist, um, I've been thinking about the like possibilities and stuff. The mm -hmm. so one is like he's not of this earth, right? Are you so able to talk a little bit alien. louder? It, it's uh, it's just it's it sounds like you're whispering, so it's kind of hard to hear you. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. Uh, well, my my parents are kind of no. <clears throat> okay. Sorry, my you, parents. Whatever you, whatever you can. I'm, I'm gonna turn you up in my ears here a little bit. No problem. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry, sir. I'll just try to, to repeat. Um, so because God is not this earth, then technically he's an alien, right? Well, how would we know? Could you hear me? How, how would we know? Hello? Like whenever someone says something like, well, maybe God is just like exists outside of this world or outside of reality or outside of space and time or something. My, my question is, how do how could we evaluate that? How would how would we be able to to know? Well, we don't. I was just saying, like, you know, if, because that's what the Christians say that he, like he's not of this earth. Right. He like created everything, but he's not of the earth. They do say that. You know, yes. Like, Oh, and then also, so I was thinking, um, uh, like if, um, like some people say that everything is God, right? You said everything is like a pantheistic type of deal. Um, so like every molecule is like God, right? I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking like if we are 
the cells in a body, you know, like the cells can't communicate to each other. And like our brain, our brain knows, our brain is like aware of uh, ourselves, but like the different cells don't really have that awareness. Right. I, I think I see where you're going. Okay. So um, I was thinking if we are the cells of the, the universe brain, then uh, uh, then history would kind of be like the long-term memory of that brain. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I, um, I think I do. Knowledge of everyone. Has, the, word, the word that's doing uh, the most work in what you just said is if. You said if. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, this, then that. The, so my, my question would be, well, how do we... You know, if if is our starting off point, um, you know, how do we establish the if first? Does that make sense? Well, I don't know. It's like if I said if Superman is real, then he is from Krypton. Yeah. And there's a whole body of literature to support that, right? If Superman is real, he's from Krypton. So before we start figuring out, you know, where Krypton is, we should probably tackle if Superman is real, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you 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 believe in God, Anonymous? Huh? Do you believe in God? Um. I, I do not know, but I think it's fun to kind of like imagine, you know, what might exist, you know, like, cause uh, I don't know, like if they say, what if, if religious people, like, you know, if that is the reality, you know, and stuff, then what would be true for that, you know, but, but we don't know, you know? Yeah, well, and it can be super. I mean, that's like, there's, yeah, I, I, I think you would have a lot of fun, you know, digging deep into a whole bunch of philosophy, because um, you know, if is a, a a fun starting point in the world of philosophy, um, and it can be fun to think about what may be true if X is true, um, but yeah. it's it's purely theoretical until we establish that if part at the beginning, right? But I mean, I mean, have fun thinking about it. You know, I mean, it's if I if I may, do you do you live like? Uh, and if this is too personal, please you don't have to answer. What are, are you going to ask him? Oh my god, a, a a religious home. Yes, a very strongly religious home. Oh, I'm sorry. Are, are, <laughs> are, I'm, no, I mean because he said he doesn't believe. You so. have a perfectly lovely home. Okay, you're right. <laughs> Let me take that back. Sorry. Is it, is, I, I, I walked myself into it. <laughs> um, are, are you okay in your situation? The only reason yeah. I asked that is because you were, uh, you were, you're kind of whispering. So I just want to make sure you're safe is um, I guess my question. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. I have a door now. So my, okay. Um, anyway, yeah, I have a door. Sorry. You got really quiet again. 
Oh, I've learned to be able to type with it and stuff. Yeah, fine. Uh, unfortunately, cannot hear you. Yeah, it's a little muffled there, Anonymous. I am fine. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it is fun to to speculate uh, uh, about how the universe came into existence, what the possibilities are. Like, dude, I would love to find out that, like, aliens created us. That would be some cool shit. But, you know, my want aliens to create us doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, I agree. Um. But anonymous, I wanna I wanna thank you for calling. We gotta uh, jump to our next caller. Um, but I think okay. you were our Sorry first. About... Did you, you're an atheist or agnostic? Um, an atheist until there's evidence. Yeah. Nice. I think That's this another, is like another good clip right there. Caller. Sweet. Huh? I, I think you were our first atheist caller. So uh, thanks for oh, calling in, anonymous. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. I, I Thanks, hope you guys. have a good day. Have a good day. Sweet. Past two callers. Super pleasant. Yeah, I. I'm glad that you asked if he was okay. Because the I, yeah. I, I, yeah, the the wording came out wrong, but just because I heard the whispering, I, I got a yeah. little concerned. And last thing I want is someone to end up, you know, getting in trouble because they called our 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 show. Sure. Do you know of any organizations that are out there to help people who may be recovering from religion? Well, you know, I do. Recovering from religion is a great cause. And for those of you that don't know, we're hosting a fundraiser, which seems like this is actually the perfect time for a commercial break. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not it. Hang on. Hang on. All right, here we go. <laughs> question is have you seen a show with that many atheists before that's a shit ton of people man it is dude this is gonna be a jam-packed uh night it is february 4th from 7 to 10 p.m uh we're raising money for recovering from religion and we are bringing all those guests on the show uh i'll be hosting alongside jenna belk kenneth leonard Brainbug, and hannah vaughn and we've got we're covering all the topics that we've covered from the past year of YFNA since that is the year anniversary and I I'm flies 
it's like, dude, like what's so crazy is if you go back to February, not a single atheist knew who I was. And now I'm putting together a big friggin' show, man. Like this is awesome. Yeah. It's going to be going to be sweet. It is. Um, by the way, the, if you want to donate now, there is a link. I hope I put the updated link in the, yes, recovering from religion fundraiser. Uh, I should actually put that in the chat right now as well. Um, we are trying to raise $5,000. So there is the link. Uh, any little bit helps. And if you can't donate, that's okay. Share, uh, you know, share the link, share the stream. Uh, best name, just put it in the comments. Uh, hopefully go set a reminder so you can join us for that awesome and spectacular show. Also, for those who don't know, I host another show every Thursday night at 9 p.m. So if you're looking for a break from regular atheist content, it focuses on dating, sex, and relationships. And my co-host is Hannah Vaughn. This Thursday, we will be talking about sex positivity. And then every Sunday with Jenna Belk, I host a show on mental health at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, also, thank you to everyone who keeps tuning in each and every week and watching on all these platforms. All of you are awesome. And special thanks to my top-tier patrons, Jonathan Friedel, Cindy Plaza, Kathy Leto, Jump and Shoot, Ian Oz, Philip Leach, and of course, oh, Jesus. let's not forget the, 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 the lawyer <laughs> on the show, Kenneth Leonard. No, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> that Patreon list is a uh, Patreon list is growing. That's a pretty awesome. You know what? That should be your next YouTube video. Instead of I'm not a YouTuber, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference. There's a distinction, uh, between people who just go to law school and then go do jobs in the legal world and people who are actually practicing, uh, practicing bar admitted attorneys and all that good stuff. Um, I hope you don't mind. So one of the people who's going to be on the, uh, the anniversary broadcast is Mandisa Thomas who uh, her organization, Black Nonbelievers, is uh, celebrating an anniversary as well. Uh, later this week, uh, the 15th to the 17th, I, I believe, is when um, their, their conference is going to be streaming online. Um, anybody who is interested, I would highly encourage them to go check out Mandisa and what Black Nonbelievers does. It's an awesome organization celebrating 10 years of, of activism and service. And Kenneth Leonard just interviewed Mandisa Thomas, and I put the link in the, oh. the description. So if Thanks, you want man. more about it, uh, you can check it out. Also, if you saw Talk Heathen this past Sunday, Mandisa Thomas was on it and talking a little bit more about the Black Nonbelievers. And who I else was, was on Talk Heathen? Who else was on Talk <laughs> on the episode of Talk Ethan? I know that's. I'm going to start my own show called Talk Ethan. Talk Ethan to me. By the way, I, I loved the ending when they did the love rings, and I got right. to do with Maya Maya. That was mm -hmm. so. Um, <laughs> and last, before we get to our next caller, speaking of Kamehameha's. Uh, for those that don't know, I interviewed uh, Sean Schemmel um, about a week and a half ago, the the voice of Goku from the Dragon Ball series. No, and we didn't talk Dragon Ball. We talked religion, politics, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, it was about two weeks ago. I think it was like December 30th. So check that out. Uh, Kenneth, you ready to get to our next caller? Hell yeah. Awesome. I hope we get more. Call in. We're going to be here all night, right? Yeah, you have a, a supernatural claim, uh, belief in aliens, favorite conspiracy theory. Give us a call. 951-364-2430. Another easy way to remember that. 951-ENGAGE-0. Yeah. If you want to yell at us because we were mean to your favorite psychic, call in. We're here. <laughs> uh, all right. I believe the name is, is Lynn. Is that correct? 
Hello, Ethan. This is uh, Min Hum Talk. You, you talked on Sunday on Talk Heathen. Oh, Min. Speaking of Talk Heathen, yes, yeah. I talked to you on Sunday. Uh, awesome. Uh, what? Uh, real quick, so I can put your name on the screen. How do you spell your name? M-I-N-H. It is um, M-I-N-H. Awesome. And then what did you want to call it, or what did you want to talk about? Um, well, I mean, I listened to all the callers, and, you know, they had pretty awesome experience. I do have similar experience, but I, but I, what about tell you, probably maybe pretty boring. Um, but I do think that what I uh, experienced um, was, I would label like, you know, like mystery, something I could not comprehend yet. Hmm. But when I saw the chain of connection there, and I feel like this, it was not just a coincidence. Uh, so before I say that, do you have any question for me? Um, no, I guess not yet. What is your experience? Yeah. Um, so I, I have many. So one of them um, I can tell you would be um, there was a time that um, my my parents um, asked me to buy things in Costco. Usually. I mean, all, all all the time when they ask me to buy something, I mean, they, they buy by, by themselves. They never ask me. But when they ask me to buy something, it's usually like a huge, you know, every a lot of things on the shopping cart. Um, but this time, somehow, they just asked me to buy very little, very few things. And before I, on, on my way to Costco, I stopped by a UPS store close to the town that I usually um, stop by every week. Um, there was a, a library close by, and I usually stop there to read. You know, when I'm in the library on my um, work days. Uh, so, in front of the UPS store, there was a uh, food bin from you know from the food bank. They usually put a bin in front of the store. Okay. Uh, and it was like. Barely there is there was barely anything in that bin. I I saw that, but I did not really pay attention. And uh, so when I have a you know do the the business with the employee in the store, uh, it was pretty busy. So you know I just waiting for my chain, and then I just look around the 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 place, and um and then uh, when it was my turn, I talked to the the employee, and I I asked him. Um, well, this town is, is, I know that it's really wealthy town, so I wonder why there's a food bin, a local food bank here. I said, and the employee said, I don't know, but you know, it was there like forever and barely there is, there's nothing filled in the bin at all. And you know, when I listened to that, I just let it go. I didn't really think too much. And then when I buy, when I went to Costco, I bought, uh, you know, the stuff my parents asked me. Okay. And then all of all of a sudden, my thinking was, this is really strange. Usually, they always ask me to buy a big bong of stuff. How come they only ask me buy just very little? And so I c- call my parents to confirm, you know, the things they want me to buy. Um, and then they just, just you know, just little thing. And then I don't know, like like there was an impulse for me, like you know, to buy things for that, the the food bank um, 
stop. And and you know when I and incidentally when I walk by the the um, the aisle where they sell you know, canned beans, interestingly there was a woman there who tried to reach high and you know to stop, but it was too high for her. So I uh, stopped by and helped. Hey, um, may, may I ask a clarifying question? Yeah, go ahead, Ethan. Um, are, are, uh, is this like the, what you're presenting right now? Is it, I, I guess, where's it going? Are you uh, presenting evidence for like the, the supernatural or where is it headed? I would not say supernatural, but I think it's, it's mysterious, I would say. What is, can you summarize what the mysterious part is in like one sentence? Um, well, sorry, and I don't know how to summarize it. So, I mean, it's not, it's almost there. So, I mean, yeah, just uh, bear, bear with me. I'm, 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 I'm almost there. Okay. Uh, you know, I buy, so you know, when I buy things and, um, you know, I, I drop, I, I, you know, I just, uh, on my way home, I just dropped by the, 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 the UPS store and just dropped my, um, canned beans there. And then I, I just left. And then about like two weeks later on, when I said, I, I stopped by the tower again to drop up some stuff I, to, to return from, 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 from Amazon. Um, then I saw the food bin to fill up more, almost to the top. And I was surprised to ask the, the, the employee and he says, um, well, you know, I don't know why the, the, mo the day that you put in and on since that day, like, there were, there were this gentleman who was really wealthy in the town and he's somehow he's just stopped by frequently and just by put stuff in that. And then when I asked him, he said, I told him about, you know, you put stuff in, he said, and then you not from, from this town. And then uh, uh, he said, well, um, I never donate things in my life, but maybe the guy was there for a reason. So maybe this, this is how I will donate sure. things to the food bank, even though I, we don't, our people do not need it. Why? Uh, so let me ask you this. Why do you yeah, think it's, no. it's mysterious yeah. as opposed to just, you know, a coincidence? Um, well, I guess if it's just one example and I, yeah, I may, I may say it's a coincidence, but because there were a pre, how do you say, like, uh, you know, the, prevent, the the events before that and several of them. And all of them, when I check, it doesn't, they don't, they did not seem to be coincident to me. Therefore, mm -hmm. this thing happened. I feel like they, you know. I'm going to totally ask my favorite question. Uh, how, how do you know it's not a coincidence? I really don't, <laughs> um, but uh, that's honest. That, I don't know, maybe because the the, the events seem to fit together, because all the pieces things fit together. So that's why it's hard for me to say it's coincidence. And also, Ethan, I I did not mention it because I don't want to explain my story too long. But because the lady I helped at the Costco at the aisles that sell canned beans, um, she was the reason I am in my profession today. And I, I will tell you for another time, but 
the, that thing, you know, like keep you know, one event connect to another. Therefore, it's hard for me to say that it was just random thing, you know. Okay. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. here, man. Um, you, I, okay. Hmm. How do we determine what a good candid explanation is for something? So like, for example, if, uh, if I walk into my kitchen and there is a, uh, bottle of soda on the counter, how do we go about figuring out what, what good candidate explanations are for how the bottle of soda got there? Um, well, I, I guess you can ask people in, in the house, um, hmm? and see if anyone buy them. What if I'm thirsty when I walk into the kitchen? No. What, what if I'm, what if I'm thirsty when I walk in the kitchen and there happens to be a bottle of soda there sitting on the counter? Does that change anything about how we evaluate how the bottle of soda got there? Uh, well, I think maybe, you know, probably that maybe somebody forgot the soda and they made it, they opened it, they, they forgot to pick it up and drink. Well, well, uh, do me a favor. I think you might be getting ahead of me. So it, it, first I just walk in the kitchen, there's a bottle of soda sitting there. And the question is, how do we figure out how the bottle of soda got there? The, the follow-up question is, what if in a slightly different turn of events, when I walk in the kitchen, I'm thirsty, I'm looking for something to drink. Mm -hmm and there's a bottle of soda on the counter. Is there any difference in how we would go about figuring out how the bottle of soda got there? Would it, would it be good for me to assume that the bottle of soda is there because I'm thirsty or that, that my thirstiness and the presence of the bottle of soda have anything to do with each other? Well, I mean, it, if, if I just isolate those two, what you, what you said from, other thing, then I would say maybe it's just a coincidence that the bottle of soda is there. Maybe. How? How? But how yeah. do we figure it out? How do we figure out if it's if it's a coincidence? How do we figure out if someone put it there for me, or if you know uh, the soda fairy came and and dropped it off in the case? I mean, like, how do we how do we figure it out? Um. Yeah, I, I don't. I really don't. I don't have an answer for that, really. Well, would it be, would it be, if we care about whether or not our beliefs are true, right now, the, the bottle of soda is there and how it got there is mysterious to use the word that you used. Would it be a good idea for me to start making conclusions or believing things about how the bottle of soda got there? Or would it maybe be better for me to just leave it at mysterious until I have more information? Well, I think it, I mean, without all the context, I would just say, you know, it maybe would just coincident and just, I will just leave it there. Yeah. I would, I would do. I, I would, I would probably stick with, yeah. I don't know how the bottle of soda got there, but I'm taking it because I'm thirsty. That's, <laughs> that's how far it would go in, in, in my judgment. Um, so how would we apply this same type of thinking to the, the food bank and the bin? Well, because, uh, well, you know, I, you know, I follow Taoism and it's not re a, a, a religious Taoism, but more a philosophical one. Mm -hmm. And I, I tend to trust my instinct a lot. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And usually, when I trust it, I sort of like I have to in a I have to be in a meditative mode. So I have to tune out my emotion and all that stuff. So that so it so so that's all where my instinct tell me something, and I follow that. The outcome tends to be what I usually predict or anticipate it. But of course, um, you know, I the and you know, in that the story I tell you, um. Since that day happened, and my parents never asked me to buy anything ever again from Costco. So if they ask me again, and it's and also they just uh, just uh, they only ask me to buy few things like they they, they did, mm-hmm. and maybe I would my I would be more skeptical about what happened earlier. Mm-hmm. To me. Right. There's an interesting phenomenon that happens uh, with trusting one's instincts sometimes. Um, People tend to count the the hits and and forget about the misses sometimes. I do that a lot. Um, you know, I uh, earlier when when my favorite caller Patty was talking about um, the like trusting your feelings. Um, so I live in Chicago in a, a moderately high crime area, and uh, I can't tell you how many times I, I'll be walking along and I'll think that there's you know something over my shoulder. And it, my brain is like, there's a guy with a knife. And I turn and I look and it's like a cat. And my feeling is wrong. And I got all worked up for nothing. Um, and that happens. Um, and more often than not, my instincts <laughs> with respect to that, especially if I'm in like a heightened state uh, emotionally, um, my instincts tend to be you know, not, not awesome. Um, I, I, I'm wondering how much you think our instincts need to be mitigated um, and, and, you know, subjected to, to testing and, you know, that kind of thing. Particularly when, yeah. when anxiety is at play. Like I know, you know, overall, I'd like to think my gut instinct is fairly spot on, but once anxiety comes into play, my, my, my perspective shifts a lot. And I start thinking like looking for the worst. And I don't know that when I am having severe anxiety that I could trust my uh, judgment at that point. To, to yeah Ethan, i i i i mean i think i i agree with you on that and you know when i say instinct or even i say i believe in my feelings usually you know it's sort of like i had to be you know like in a state of being calm mm. if i get emotional then the instinct doesn't come you know it's, i would say that intuition um it will not come in that time so you know, and most of the time I, when I operate my life, I only follow what makes the most logical sense. But when I do that and my my instinct tell me something isn't right and I would trust my instinct and I don't want to waste that time with my example, but another time I will tell you what, what, why that's important to me because it helped me really save another a, a patient life based on trusting my, my instinct. Do you ever um, yeah. check like if your instincts are wrong? Like, or do you ever find yourself in scenarios um, where you have an instinct and you later find out that that instinct was, you know, uh, was misplaced or it wasn't something that you, you were correct on or able to predict? Well, I guess either maybe like what Kenneth just said, I forgot the, the hit, the, the, the miss, or like, my instinct almost never show up if 
like you know the the logic I follow is doesn't do anything like dramatically harmful or something. If something doesn't feel right and I I ignore that, usually the outcome really bad. And I I I got that before, therefore I tend to rely on my intuition. Hmm. Only when you know when it comes up, when usually when it doesn't come up, I don't care too much. Though I, I don't you know I don't follow my instinct every day. It's just when we speak, we speak up about the logic and that I know something doesn't seem right. I have to, you know, either investigate or follow that. I think, I think just about anybody uh, you ask, uh, if you were to ask them, are, like, are, are you a logical person? Most people are going to be like, well, yeah. Um, and I think that most people with most things in their lives tend to be fairly reasonable. Um, I just keep... This this is not exactly related to what you're you're saying. I, I don't. Know, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I'm gonna follow my instinct on this one. <laughs> you started talking about instincts, and I, I kept thinking about this, you know, event that that I watched on TV this this last week of all these people in Washington um, who clearly believe very passionately in some claims, mm -hmm. um, and went, you know, yeah. and acted on their their instincts. Um, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that their instincts were uh, wise or, you know, related in any way to things that are true. Um, but they, they certainly went for it. And I wonder how many of those people, if you were to ask them today, even people who are, are you know, right now uh, <laughs> being interviewed by law enforcement, whether or not their instincts were, were true and correct, you know, if you were to ask them if the claims that they believe are, are true, um, if they're any more or less convinced now than they were a week ago, um. yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think kind of you, you're right, and I admit with you that there are things in life I do take on faith, and that's something I have to trust because, you know, I don't because I don't have all the knowledge, and um, huh. some certain action require me to make judgment immediately, so. And usually, if I don't, I don't know what to do. I would not do. But if my instinct or my intuition tell me that there is something I can do, and I, I follow it, and so far, it me, works. So that's why I, I trust that. But you're you right. This. Maybe that's uh, not always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this because we gotta wrap up in just a moment. But for one, you are getting some love from the yeah. comment section. They just said, "Me, uh, sorry, is it mean? Is is the sweetest?" So, uh, you you have love from the people <sighs> watching. Um, do you, do you, th here's my question. Do you think faith is a reliable path to truth? Um, I think it's, it's, I, I guess, you know, huh, well, I guess I have to define truth in, it's okay. Okay. If, if I go with R and raw definition of truth, I mean, truth is what the facts are. And I would say, no, it is not. But, but if I follow, like, if something resonates to your perception about the world, and then I would say probably it is reliable. So let me let me ask you a question, because I, I want to make sure I understood what you said. Because I love Aaron's definition, and I love Aaron. Um, yeah. The uh, 
So if, if the goal is to, to find out what the facts are, then faith is, is probably yeah. not, not very useful. But if the goal is to find something that may resonate with you, then it can be useful. It sounds like, am I, am I summarizing that correctly? Um, yeah, so yes, you are correct. Usually when something that, you know, can be materialized in the world that you and I both share, the physical world, mm-hmm. yes, truly um, what the facts are, in more like, I would say like, you know, the mysterious thing or spiritualities, um, then usually I follow what resonates to me. But I will not assert that that's, you know, the, 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 the only correct answer because mm. I, I, I admit that. I can only see things through my filter that I cannot expect other people to see the same thing. So, you know, if some, so there is, you know, like something like factual, like about something materialistic thing, that's something I will not use faith on because, because I don't have to. My, my senses will just admit that you know, that's, that's the way it is. But if something else that, you know, I don't know or something pretty, mysterious thing like I just told you then yeah I, I would rely on my um, faith yeah it's an interesting thing because um, I I would agree with the I, I'm not looking at the comments and stuff anymore in the live chat but uh, I would agree that you sound like a very very like sweet and generous and nice and sincere person um, but I gotta tell you the idea of people um, following whatever resonates with them uh, scares the shit out of me because what may resonate with you may be putting food in the food bin and what may resonate with someone else is trying to abduct and, and kill Nancy Pelosi. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> when you've got all these people around the world and there are different things that resonate with them and they're, and, and, and that, that they're using faith to get to, um, that, I mean, yeah, that, that, that looks to me like a, a, a road to ruin <laughs> for, our, for our species. Uh, you know, Ken, uh, I, I, I will admit with you that, you know, you don't, if you ask me, like, do I care about what I believe is true? I will say, I, I will be honest with you that it's, if, 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 if the thing that matters the most, like, you know, like the um, umbrella, you know, then I will care about like the most important thing, but the trivial things that I don't usually pay attention to much. I follow more like if it works, then that to me, that's good enough. So, you mm. know, like, I, for, for, for example, you know, in, I accept the fact, you know, the human, are, you know, biological organic machine, right? And we strive to be happy and fulfill and, and, and other stuff. So, you know, whatever, so that's the, the fact about being human, right? So that's the thing I accept pretty much like 100% with confidence. But anything that helps people get there without hurting people, then I don't really, you know, care too much whether it is factually correct or it okay. mm. just, you know, resonates to the person. You see what I mean? I do. There's a an example, and I know we're we're short on time. Um, I yeah. grew up in a community where it was taught that the best way to teach your children how to behave was to physically beat them. Uh, the belief was that that the Bible taught this. And that the best and most loving thing that you could do for your children to steer them away from the fires of hell would be to, to beat them physically. And this resonated with people. And they, they thought sure. that what they were doing with their children was an act of love and of service to them and an act of obedience to God 
to uh, to to beat their kids. Um, and so when you say if people are doing things that they they as, as long as they're not harming others, if you were to ask uh, adults that I grew up with, are you harming your child by beating them? Um, they would say no. Are you kidding me? I love my child. I would never do anything to harm them. Well, Kenneth, here's the thing. I, I you probably know uh, Maslow um, pyramid, right? Yes. For those who may not be aware, there's a hierarchy of needs right. that uh, is described by, uh, yes. by Maslow. Yeah. So I operate my life and and how I help other people based on that pyramid. So you know the. So therefore, like, um, if, if people, I, I'm really, I'm confident if people follow that pyramid, then beating children is not one of those things. Ooh, so but what if, if, what if at the very base of that pyramid, what if the most essential need there is, is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to save your children from burning in hell forever? What if they think that is the most foundational need that there is because that's what they read in their Bible? And that resonates with them well, and then it's I, consistent I with their faith. Hmm. Yeah, because, I guess. Yeah, I, that's some, I have something I, I don't have an answer for because when I mention the pyramid, I'm talking about the life on Earth right now. I'm not the afterlife. Something I cannot answer. I don't know. So right. I will not ever operate my life on that perception about afterlife. But you know, the life here and now. The um, you know when when people got to the self actualization stage, this is where I think spirituality comes in to fill in and just like what I talked to Ethan on, on, on Sunday, that is where I feel like, you know, if, if people fulfill all the base and that top part is where they become less fulfilled human. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, believe in whatever belief that fulfill that doesn't matter much to me about whether it is the, the content is real or not, but rather what it does, you know? So uh, real quick, I do. We, uh, Kenneth, do you want to ask anything else? Because we got to wrap up and get to our last caller. I hope we get a chance to talk again, Min, because where you're going with this about the utility of a belief, <laughs> the usefulness of a belief versus the truth value of a belief is a is an interesting little quandary. We yeah, well, we should definitely continue this conversation yeah. sometime, Min. But it was uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. I have yeah, I have auto experience to tell you so another time. So Ethan, thank you so much for for taking my call. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you. Anytime. And I hope you have a good day. Thank you. You too, guys. Bye. All right. Uh, let's get to our last caller. I am a little bit nervous about this one. Uh, hang on. Why is it not clicking? Okay, there we go. Robin, are you there? Yes. Hello. Hi. You are up? Up with Kenneth and Ethan. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good yourself. Yeah, hanging out. I'll, I'm good. I'll, I'll be Long honest, day, Robin. You know, this one makes me a little bit nervous, only because it it does involve uh, a lot of people died on that day. So we definitely want to want to tread very carefully. Uh, oh, yeah. on this topic. Absolutely. This is uh, this is actually what I want to talk about today. There's a lot of a uh, lot of basis behind it. So it's not just feelings and intuition. This is actually based on a bunch of really questionable things that make you wonder. Okay. So uh, what is it you, you, you think uh, if I, if I'm looking at the screener, correct, you think nine 11 was a, a conspiracy theory. Is that correct? 
Um, well, I, I believe that uh, that 9-11 was definitely an inside job. Yeah, I believe in that conspiracy theory. Okay. And who do you think, uh, who do you think perpetrated it? Well, that's a, that's a deeper question, but, but what I don't believe is that it was these few individuals with Al Qaeda doing some elaborate scheme. And there's a lot of evidence to support that it was not done by them, starting with years before the event actually happened. Okay. Uh, Take, take us down the road. We're, yeah. What's the, we're, I mean. All right. Let's, yeah. let's begin the journey. <laughs> that is this, this, this idea here. So um, there's phone records of a conversation with, I don't remember what Rothschild it is. He's, he at the time in, it was like mm, late nineties. He was, you know, in his fifties, sixties. I think he's still alive today. And he had a conversation that is recorded that's talking about how, very specific things were going to happen, including a terrorist attack on the United States um, in the year 2001, where we would then be basically chasing a ghost living in the mountains in some Middle Eastern country, but it's really just a ploy for us to get oil and money and whatnot. So that was, I think, three or four years before it actually happened. So then we get to the actual day of the happening. So I'm going to mention just a bunch of the really questionable things involved here. Okay. So begin with, okay, God, it's so hard. So on the day that this happened, the Air Force was doing a training, which they do all the time, okay. with the jets that would be used to intersect in this circumstance. The crazy thing is the training that they were doing was on exactly what was happening about 45 minutes before it happened. This is documented and recorded, and you can um, verify this information online as well. So they're doing a training for the Twin Towers being attacked a little before it actually happens. And the recordings of these pilots are like, wait, is this a joke? Are we, is this a training? Are we, are we like, is this real? <laughs> and the events happen. And amongst the rubble from the only two buildings that have gone down in history of this size from an airplane hitting it, in the rubble of this building that has been melted and turned to shreds and bits and pieces, somehow they find the two um, passports of the supposed terrorists flying the plane. Like paper, really? The paper from these two lasted throughout this destructive event? Also, um, there's been many a scientist who are very educated in the destruction of buildings, uh, the demolition of buildings, that have expressed that the way that this, uh, the towers fell specifically was not normal, was not um, unplanned through other explosives. So with this, we're going to talk about a few different things. One, there's people, uh, one specific gentleman um, that I'm remembering that is a maintenance worker in one of the, or in both of the buildings, who was in the basement during the day of the attacks. He mentioned that people came in and were doing very strange things, marking beams and um, just things that were unusual. And the day of the attacks, there were explosions, explosions in the basement of the building 
five minutes before the planes actually hit. He goes around the country and speaks about this now. Uh, he had people that died in those explosions as he made his way out because of it. So then also, if you watch the videos of the buildings collapsing, the two only buildings that have ever collapsed from this ever before, and planes have hit buildings before with much less structural construction and, you know, intelligence and preparation behind it and whatnot. Both of these buildings collapse, and as you watch them, there's actually explosions coming out underneath as this building is collapsing. Does it go sideways? No, they both collapse in this pancake manner that has been disproven by scientists to be actually possible. Sorry, Even what was this stranger, proven by scientists? The building, yeah. What was that? What was that? You said what was disproven by scientists? Uh, the pancake theory of how both of these buildings collapsed, uh, it's not actually like with physics possible for the, the buildings to collapse in the way that they did without falling sideways or like for every floor to collapse in the way that it did and seeing the explosions on the videos that you can see um especially in slow-mo that it was controlled are you referring demolition mm -hmm. sorry Robin. are you referring just to the the two main towers that people think about or are you also talking about tower seven yes also talking about tower seven and the, uh, if you watch the video of it being demolished, because that's what it was. I mean, there is every single sign of a controlled demolition all the way down to the kink in the building that happens. So it's not like this building had pieces falling off of it and, you know, the right side fell and then it started collapsing. This thing went down all at once and it was absolutely stereotypical for a controlled demolition. So, so these are just the first few things that I want to mention to you. And what are your thoughts so far? Well, uh, go ahead, Ethan. No, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, well, it's become a meme at this point, the, the words uh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams because jet fuel does not burn hot enough to melt steel beams. Um, and you mentioned how mm -hmm. uh, planes crashed into the buildings and then they fell. Um, so I forget the name of the, the gentleman, but he was a, a fire commissioner in New York, wrote a book about, about structural fires and the collapses of buildings. Um, so the towers and tower seven, it's tubular construction where the support for the buildings is around the outside of the structure. And the reason this is done is to create more floor space. Okay, you don't have as many support beams in the center of the structure. You've got elevators in there, um, but the, the building is held up by essentially the frame. Um, here in Chicago, Willis Tower is, is uh, modular tubular construction. It's the same type of deal. Um, so when, when buildings like that, Tower 7 included, uh, collapse, they collapse inward because there's no support at the center of the structure, which is why it would look very much like a controlled demolition. Um, and the reason for the structural failure, um, and you can read the 9-11 commission report if you're interested in such a thing, um, is that if you look at structural fires with steel construction, um, you don't see melted steel. You see warped, twisted, mangled steel, because when steel gets heated up um, by something like jet fuel burning, for example, um, it, it tries to expand at both ends um, and the structure weakens. So it collapsed because the structure was, was weakened. And 
if you have a structure that's you know sort of collapsing from the top down like that, you'll see dust and debris being blown out the windows as the, I mean, this is just physics of, of you know, the weight collapsing floor after floor after floor. Like if you had, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you mashed down on it and you saw the peanut butter and jelly squirt out the sides. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff out there about this. Um, my, my question to you would be, why? Why would our government do this? Or anybody for that matter. Well, it's, pr it's proven that by creating something that can connect a nation with a specific ideal, that you will be able to get the support from that nation that you need to do what you want and mm. what the people in power always want is more money and more control, more oil, more power, more land. Some people um, need power, sure. Because it continues giving them more money. Do you think Pearl Harbor was an inside job? No, no, I don't. I mean, I do believe that we, of course, we incited it with the, um, you know, stopping of providing all sorts of things to that country, um, which is what inspired them to do it in the first place, really. But no, I don't think that was an inside job. But I do believe that there are certain experiences that, like 9-11, can give the support of the country publicly so that they can do what they want. And, and everything that happened in Afghanistan was very questionable. Um, and for people that I know that were deployed over there at the time as well, the, the whole experience was not only incredibly expensive and enriched very specific people around the world, but it, it was questionable the whole way through. Um, but it did enrich, you know, a whole lot of people because war, as expensive as it is in some ways, is incredibly profitable. And so uh, one of the other things to throw out there, because you have obvious knowledge about, you know, tubular structures, things like this. And I'm not <laughs> familiar with that. Kenneth has knowledge. I've gone on the architecture boat tour in Chicago like six times. That's all. That's all that that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's more than me, to be fair. Um, <laughs> the other thing. That I want to mention that is tied in with this is with the Pentagon. So the Pentagon is, is filled with incredibly intelligent humans, right? And I find it insanely worth questioning, or insanely questionable anyways, that there is no footage whatsoever of this happening other than uh, some very brief, like, parking lot kind of camera footage, which makes this... Um, Planes definitely look more like a missile. And let's talk about real quick the Pentagon <clears throat> and how a plane hitting the Pentagon where it did has wider wings than where the damage is actually done on the building and how there are multitudes of people who worked within the building that said that they smelled the specific compounds that is used in Oh, goodness. Specific bombs, basically, or specific explosives, not with, you know, jet fuel, whatnot, but very specific explosives. I, so we have no footage. We have a area of damage that is way smaller than the plane itself. A plane that is somehow only a few feet off of the ground being flown by someone with such minimal airplane, small airplane training that he could, be, and like it shows proof that like in his training that he wasn't even good at that that he would somehow flip this 747 or whatever it was around at a 
really intense angle that only a very, very skilled pilot would be able to do, fly it down to only a few feet off of the ground in order to hit this building, and you don't even see where the wings hit the building, that does not make any sense whatsoever. So I'd have to really look at that to know, because um, I, I, I can't it. say yeah any, anything one way or the other, but my, my one thing that stands out for me is, personally, I wouldn't trust a bunch of people saying they smelt something like a bomb that that seems very uh, unreliable i mean how how many people um do you know can smell a bomb and distinguish a bomb particles from from jet fuel well i mean it would probably be people in the pentagon i I'd, I'd say that they have a little bit more experience in that than most normal americans it's i mean I, I'm I'm holding back over here. So I, I had a friend in in high school and into my early 20s, a guy named Evan in San Diego, whose dad was a colonel who was there at the Pentagon when the plane hit and saw it happen and tried to rescue people and all that stuff. Um, I uh, he, he talked about it. He was super traumatized by it. Um, is it possible that he mistook a, a missile for an airplane? I mean, I, I guess sure. Um, I. Uh, I mean, I've, I've talked in this episode about how unreliable eyewitness accounts can be. Um, I just, I still go back to the the why, the why. And and the thing that, that blows my mind is this. Um, and I think I've talked about this once or twice on on, on these streams. Um, so I work for the, the federal government and we can't keep like a surprise office birthday party a secret. So the idea to me that there would be, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, employees that would have to maintain strict silence to keep such a conspiracy going, um, to me is the hardest part to believe of the whole thing. Uh, the idea that there are like evil bankers who would, who would no, absolutely kill thousands of people to make money. That, that, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm so sorry. I cut you off. Continue. No, I was going to rant about evil bankers and how like, I, I, there are evil people who will kill people to make money and to do that stuff, like without a doubt. Um, it's the idea of a bunch of uh, government employees keeping something this big, uh, you know, under the lid uh, for this long too. Um, seems uh, yeah, it's just a hard one for me to to go along with. I hear you on that, and, and but I'm not even saying that they're necessarily government employees. So first of all, there wouldn't have been a ton of actual witnesses because at that point of day, people are working, so it's not like they're all looking out the windows or walking around, you know watching for incoming airplanes, right? Mm. So there's not going to be a lot of actual witnesses to the event, but um, when it comes to silence of people who work at the Pentagon, I mean, do you really question the ability of the government to keep secrets? Because yes. it's really... <laughs> yeah, I do. It's, it's very... It's, you, don't, you don't share super confidential information unless you want to like lose your life, livelihood, uh, everything that I, you have. Like, I, I hear where you're going. Bill Clinton couldn't keep a blowjob secret when he was president. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, uh, what was that? I said, Bill Clinton couldn't keep a blowjob a secret when he was president. You know, like, well, and I'm not saying that Bill Clinton would be the person either. Like the people that I believe, no, no, I like think, I personally I believe this. would be involved with this hey, are not, are not politicians and they wouldn't be, they wouldn't necessarily be government, but they very well could mm. be. But I think that the people that are in power around the world and in our country aren't necessarily in the government. Um, but I do think that simply the one, just the one fact 
that there are no, there's no space in the damage of the Pentagon for there to be wings that have hit the building. And if you look at the damage, it goes from the ground floor up to the top floor. You see like the whole burn line around the whole thing and everything. And even if you tried, there is no way that you could fit a plane with wings in that space, not even close. There's, there's like 50 feet that are, that is missing where the wings would have done some amount of damage and there was none. It was just this one little section. So it's absolutely worth looking at. And the fact that there's absolutely no um, video camera recordings or, um, you know, businesses in the area, gas stations that have nothing, because if this was to be covered up, you would just have to find that, you know, 10 gas stations that are in the area, grab their videos, and then you have no proof of anything. But you do have a hole in a building that doesn't fit an airplane. So I think you you may have missed Kenneth's point. He he wasn't saying that Bill Clinton uh, was involved in this. He was the the point he was making was if Bill Kit Clinton couldn't even keep a blowjob a secret between him and one other person, that's only two people. How the hell did they manage to keep nine eleven a secret with that many people involved? Meaning, like people can't keep secrets; they're going to blab about it. They're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a normal person, maybe, but if you are in a, I imagine, which I can't experience myself because I've definitely never been in these shoes, but I can try to put myself in the shoes. Of we don't think you were involved, by the way. That's, that's no. just, so you don't have to like, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> oh my God, no. Real quick though, Robin, we no, are actually I'm, like, well, like, unfortunately <laughs> we're like totally well over time right now. Um, so we will have to pick this pick this back up. But if you could, could you send me some of the like videos or a- a- anything where you learned wherever you got this your knowledge from? Could you send me any videos on it so I can uh, and watch yeah. get a better understanding of, of of where you're getting this uh, evidence from? Most definitely. And honestly, if you want to find a great compilation, um, there you would much appreciate, especially the first portion of this video, which is about religion. Uh, you've probably heard of this before if you've talked to conspiracy theorists for a while, but the movie Zeitgeist is a wonderful place to start for anybody. It starts with religion and then it talks about 9-11. And the final section is about the Great Depression and the role of the bankers in the Great Depression um, and how that's actually much more deep than we know. So I highly suggest that, and I will send you some personal links as well. I, I'm going to regret saying this, Ethan, but that would make an excellent Skeptics Movie Night movie. Yes, let's do it. it. I don't know if it's like it really in is. the public domain, but uh, yeah. All right, Robin, I think you, you watch just... it for free on YouTube as well. Well, there, I think there we go. Our next atheist movie night, like Geist. Uh, anyways, Robin, uh, thank you for, for calling in and, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks guys. Have a wonderful night. Thanks. Thanks for having me. See you Robin. Bye. All right. I want to watch that movie now. I'm excited that we just found our next atheist movie night, but Kenneth, you've got something to say. So please. I just, I I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it. Okay. Um, I actually, I did. I've, that's, that's not true. I started watching it once and i didn't make it through so maybe i need to give it a more charitable viewing uh you know in the future yeah uh i think we'll, that charitable viewing should be on our next uh, movie night oh boy
Uh, <laughs> Kenneth, uh, what do you got going on? Uh, I'm, I, you know, I make, I make videos. I'm a YouTuber. Um, I got some some interviews coming up this Friday. I'm going to be interviewing uh, V. La Bianca. Um, a couple weeks Wait, after that, uh, Friday, we're going to be sitting down and doing that. So, did you tell your producer? I, <laughs> I thought I thought I did. I I'm bad at all this. So uh, the 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 being on the the show and doing the thing and talking to the people like I can do that, but all the other stuff, forget about. It. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then a couple weeks after that, uh, talking to Jenna Belk, um, which uh, I'm pretty excited about. And uh, yeah, just still doing doing the things. Well, do you know what I'm excited about, Kenneth? You forgot to talk about one more thing. The, well, the biggest thing is probably on February 4th is, you know, the event of the, not February 4th, February, shit. Yeah, yeah no, no, the date's right, but that's not okay. what I was talking about. Kenneth, okay. something bigger is happening and it's happening this weekend what am i don't know after nearly six months seven months of talking to each other through a computer screen oh god and, <laughs> <laughs> I, and i are finally going to meet in person and we're going I, on a date pop where you are kenneth and i have a date <laughs> so let us know where you want us to go out to yeah, I thought you were asking about like like you know YouTube's and Twitters and Twatters and whatever you know is going on in, in online world, um, and not IRL, man. But yeah, yeah, we got yeah, we got yeah, it. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. If yeah. I get to meet you, I may give you a big hug just so you know. I may hug you back. Good. Masks, social distance uh, hug. Yes. <laughs> um. Anyway, for 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 those watching <laughs> again, I have a, a another show. Uh, every Thursday at 9 p.m. Central Time, it's on dating, relationships, and sex with my co-host, Hannah Vaughn. This Sunday and every Sunday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time is uh, our show with Jenna Belk, the Ethan and Jenna show, where each week we talk about a different uh, uh, topic on mental health. Um, and as always, the perspective, the show you're watching right now, is here every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It goes between an hour and two hours, depending on the number of callers. So, do you have a favorite conspiracy, a belief in aliens, favorite supernatural claim, evidence of God, anything like that? Feel free to call the show. And uh, I think that's all I got. Um, oh, once again, February 4th, um, I'm going to put the link in the chat or best name. If you could put the link in the chat. Uh, I bet it's already there. Fundraiser. Like 14 steps ahead of all of us. All the mods are, you know, like we can't even keep up with these people. No, yeah, the whole community would collapse. If it wasn't for the mods and the crews and all these people, it's it's unbelievable the work that, that they do. It's it's crazy, crazy. They, they do so much work behind the scenes, and they uh, are a tremendous help to building this community and building this channel. So, thank you, everyone. Uh, I hope you have a, a safe week. I'll see you Thursday night. <laughs>